so this morning, I thought it would be good to close out our series in Christ Before Christmas, which is, you know, I think challenged a lot of you to think about Jesus in a different way. Most of us think about baby Jesus as the beginning of Jesus. And we've hopefully learned in this series, which we archive our messages, you can go and, and re-watch them, we, we have established the fact that Jesus has been around since before creation. He is called the creator in the scriptures. So he's the, he's the one who's made everything that there is. And we've seen various appearances of Christ throughout the Old Testament uh, that some would refer to as just being the angel of the Lord, but this was an uncreated, e- eternal son of God that represents the angel of the Lord and Melchizedek and showing up as, as Jesus, the warrior. Last week we talked about uh, Jesus with his sword drawn. I, I love, I got more response from that message and uh, I just, I, I love thinking of Jesus being bad to the bone. I mean, don't mess with me, I'm Jesus. And that's, you know, and, and that, that's, he, so in these appearances in the Old Testament, the, the difference between that and what happens at Christmas is the fact that, yes, Christ came to earth in these appearances in the garden with Adam and Eve. He appeared to them. He walked in the garden. There's these appearances, that, but the difference is that he didn't have a human body. He came in the likeness of a human. He also came and went. What we'll see at Christmas, and tonight we're going to close out. This morning we're going to talk about Jesus undressing, Christ undressing for Christmas. And tonight we're going to finish it with Christ dresses for Christmas. What did he take off? We're going to talk about this morning. What did he put on? We're going to talk about tonight. But all through those appearances, none of them were permanent. When he comes to earth, he permanently puts on something, humanity. And we'll talk about that tonight. So we're going to go behind the scenes. I'm treading in some really uh, mysterious waters. I, I just, I say, give me grace to, to have a little imagination. Uh, I'm, I'm built it on scripture, but scripture's awful silent about much of what I'm going to talk about. So we have to kind of build a case from what we know. But I want to talk about what was going on in heaven, you know, when you think about that little poem, "Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a, someone wrote that to get her kids to go to bed and be quiet." So, but but you know, it's got that that anticipation to it. It's got that uh, expectancy. Well, if you'll understand that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit made a plan before creation about Christmas, made an eternal plan that Christ would come to earth as a human, be born of a virgin, and end up dying for us. It was planned not, be, not after Adam and Eve sinned, not after the flood. Not a, it was planned before Adam and Eve were made in the Garden of Eden. So it's an eternal plan that was made between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in that plan, someone had to be a redeemer, and Jesus volunteered to be the Redeemer. Now, the, the cost of that is what I want to kind of look at. We think of the cost of coming to earth. That's a huge cost. That's a huge humbling. It's a huge degrading. 
But I want you to see this morning that there was a cost arguably greater than coming to earth was preparing to descend from heaven. So I'm going to jump in. I'm going to give you a little theology on Christmas uh, Eve. It won't hurt you. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to pick up the story. Paul's exhorting the believers to love each other, stop being prideful, learn to be humble, basically think like Jesus thought. And then he's going to give us these beautiful verses of glorious insight into Christ our Savior and what his mind was like. Not on earth, what his mind was like in eternity and that he brought it to planet earth to reveal who God was, what God was like, and who God, how God thinks. So in Philippians 2 verse 5, he says your, your attitude or your mindset should be the same as Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who being in the very nature or form, some versions will translate it, being in the very nature or form of God. In other words, everything you could say about Jesus, you can say about God. Everything you say about God, you can say about Jesus. Jesus isn't a little God. He's not a little bit like God. He's equal with God. That's what these verses are going to establish. That's why when we talk about the Christmas story, it's so important, as Pastor Kim read this morning, to understand that he was Emmanuel, God with us. He wasn't a little God. He wasn't imitating God. He wasn't like God. He's looking now. Paul gets this spiritual insight into behind the scenes and the, and the descent, the descending, the condescending, condensation, if you will. That's not the right word. Condensation, not condensation. I think that's uh, moisture. They're having that up in the children's uh, uh, thing. And by the way, it's Florida snow, just so you don't think we overdid it with your kids. Uh, they won't know any difference. Most of them are Florida born and never seen it. So you've been neglecting them, but we don't at the vineyard. So... Verse 6, who being in the very nature of God. Right there, I'm going to literally spend the rest of the morning unpacking the equality of Christ with the Father. Not less, not more. All that, all that God is, Christ is. It's important because you can't tell how low someone goes until you know how high they left from. The higher you see that Christ was, the greater the descent into this world becomes. If it's just a, 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 a small leap, a small jump, it's, a, it's an inconceivable, unestimatable distance between who Christ was before the incarnation and the descent to planet Earth in his incarnation or what we would celebrate as Christmas who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. The idea of grasping is think of a three-year-old at Christmas that opens the wrong present and gets his brother's present and you try to take the toy out of the present that he thought was his and give it to his brother and he says, mine, mine, mine. That's what this word has the idea of grasping and a selfish in a self-serving way. Jesus didn't look at his prerogatives, his position, his power, his authority, his majesty. He didn't look at that as something that, hey, 
hey, I deserve better than this. I'm going to hang on to this because I'm going to have to let go of that to descend to this. He did not consider it something that he had to hold on to or to prove because he knew who he was. Verse 7. This is, a, this is one of the greatest verses in the New Testament about who Jesus is and what he did in the incarnation. And I don't, I'm not going to even, I'm going to make my best shot at just, just cracking the door into it. But it is, it's an eternal mystery. It says in verse 7, but he made himself nothing. The, the word here is, it doesn't matter to most of you, but for some it might be intriguing, is the Greek word kenosis. And the word kenosis means to pour out something so as to empty, to be poured out. Now, what we're looking at here is eternity before his descent into history. We're looking at eternity. At some point in the Christmas story, Jesus decides what he's already committed to. He decides to disrobe. Some of you will remember the the the. the vision of Jesus that Isaiah saw in chapter 6 of the prophet Isaiah. And he saw the Lord high and lifted. We, we saw from the New Testament that that's Jesus. He's seeing Jesus Christ before Christmas. He sees him on this throne. He's high and lifted up. And the robe, the king's robe, fills the temple. And the angels cry, holy, holy, holy. For Jesus to come here, he had to leave there. Can you imagine the angels that had seen Christ on the throne throughout the ages, eternal ages? He, he, he never got off the throne in, a, in, a, in a, any sense of a permanence. Obviously, he came down to earth in the form and appeared to people, but he gets off the throne. Can you imagine the angels going, what's happening? This is our God that we worship. He steps down from the throne, and they're like, no. No, Jesus, why would you? And then he takes his crown and he lays it down. Now, you can't, we can't, we have nowhere to imagine the shock gone through reverberating in the corridors of the furthest angels back where the, the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the prince of peace, the son of God, the eternal father, he took his crown off. But that's not enough. He also disrobes. Now, again, this is stuff that, that God didn't give us language. He gives us this verse. It's basically the only verse you can find in the Bible that gives a picture to behind the scenes before the birth of Jesus. He takes off the splendor, the majesty, the unbelievable glory. The idea here is not that he's ceasing to become God. The idea is that he's laying it aside. He's laying the privileges, the prerogatives, and the power. Now we looked at Jesus last week as Jesus bat of the bone, the commander of the Lord's army, who doesn't bear the sword in vain. And again, I compromised and didn't play bad. But if I ever preach it again, I'm going to play that. But that sword, that sword that never lost a, a battle, that sword that 
took the heads off of wickedness and evil. That sword that was so large he could hold it over an entire city. That sword he lays down. He's coming without arms. He's coming without armor. He left off his robe. If you think of a God that would be humble, this is humble before he gets humble. This is, this is God showing his heart, his cards to us. You know, just to show how unlike God I am, I would have done it a lot different. <laughs> In case you wonder, is Jamie God? You know, I don't know. Let's say, just in case, you're more apt to think I'm Santa. But anyway, just if you, if you think that I maybe, a lifetime ago, uh, I was all of 21 uh, years of age, and my best friend uh, got married, and, and I was the best man in his wedding. Well, his wife was a very foo-foo. Uh, Kathy was just, oh, my God. So she had to pick powder blue tuxedo. This is 1977, maybe, 76, 77. So you got to get the context here. I've never seen a tuxedo nor had one on in my life. No, no, turn it off. Turn it off. Turn it off. Okay. Oh, my God. I thought you guys had jumped on me. Ruined a good story with the facts. Wow. I don't need it. So we do the wedding, and, you know, his wife is now in heaven. Uh, Bobby pastors the vineyard in, in Jacksonville. Kathy passed five years ago of cancer. But she was probably the only one that could have got me in a blue tuxedo. And it had powder blue shoes. I'd never seen a pair of blue shoes. I didn't know that. I'm from Fort Myers. I've had black and brown. I didn't know they made powder blue shoes. So they made powder blue shoes. And the bow tie, I got the whole deal on. Full Monty. So I do the wedding. And, you know, I had to pay for my own tux. That was another radical thing. I didn't know. I'm like, I thought it's their wedding. They invited me to be a part. They should have paid for that tux. And so I'm out a couple hundred bucks. And I'm like, man, I could have bought my own suit for that. And I'm pretty rebellious, if you don't know that, and human nature, just like most of you, baby boomer. And I never liked wearing a tie. To this day, I don't know how to tie one. So if you see me in a tie, it's one that my son-in-law has tied for me. And I leave it tied. Some of them have made it on to 12 years of being tied. So, so this, I have my bow tie. So the next Sunday, that the next day, the wedding Sunday, I had uh, uh, been invited to preach uh, at a Baptist church in Lake City, Florida. Now, you got to understand, I'm in Jacksonville, Lake City. You're talking boonies back then. We're talking redneck Mecca. This is like the birthplace of rednecks. It's just, and it's a Baptist redneck church. So it's a King James only Baptist redneck church. Who cares? I'm like, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. I'm going to wear the tux. <laughs> they lost their minds. One guy had chewing tobacco as I walked in. He went, and it went right across my blue. I don't know if that really happened or not, but in my mind it did. The Lord said, tell the truth, Jamie, don't embellish let me just give you a glimpse back in the past of your pastor. This is how I would have come to earth if I'd have been Jesus. See if you can pick me out. Uh, 
The only thing I would have done different if I had it to do, he said, if you had it to do over again, what would you have done? I would have come in the church playing this. Maybe. Come on, stand up with me for a minute. Have a little fun, stand up, come on. Come on, Pastor Kim will lead you. said church on the thing when we came in. Is that in the Bible somewhere? I didn't see that in the Bible. The Lord could use some help because he doesn't come that way. He takes off everything. He lays his sword down. He comes to earth and he takes on a body. No sword, no armor, no crown, no robe, no glory. The descent was painful. Do you think they were, can, I think of parents that have sent loved ones, sons and daughters off to war. And, and the tears of saying goodbye to someone that may not come back. The cost of, of signing up for war, signing up for battle. Jesus in heaven you know the father was crying. This is son. They've eternally been one. He's been in his bosom, in his heart of hearts. And he's now sending him to a battleground. He's not coming to a Christmas card planet. He's coming to a war. He's coming to a conflict without a sword, without armor, without any sense of his innate power of God that he is. He never lost that. He never gave it away. He laid it aside and chose to come in our humanity. Now, because he was able to do that, that descent, he didn't, you know, Philippians takes you through it. You can read it, but he doesn't just leave the throne. He doesn't just take off his robe and his crown. But he actually leaves heaven and descends to the furthest extreme to a polluted, defiled, maggot-infested, sin-dark planet. He comes to earth, but he doesn't just come to earth. He comes as a human. Why would you come as a human? Just come here like warrior Jesus. No, he comes as, a, he comes as not only a human, but he humbles himself in poverty and he comes as a servant, so that's not low enough that he came to earth and left glory. It's not low enough that he became a 
human like us. It's not low enough that he became a servant and washed feet. That's not enough. He became obedient to the point of death. But that's not the lowest. It's not just death. It's death on a cross. You've got to understand in the Roman world of that day, it was illegal to crucify a Roman. It was so defiling. It was so offensive. It was, it was the most shameful death that you could die was to be crucified. How low did he go first? How high was he? He was the king of kings and all of heaven worshipped him. He's the creator of the universe. He's the Lord God Almighty. He disrobes. He undresses for Christmas. It's not a, it's not a, there was joy, but the joy was coming. There had to be tears. That was, a, he picked up the cross in heaven. It's not just down here that he picked it. That's picking up the cross. That's humbling himself. That's sacrificing his, all that he has for people like us that are worthless losers. He didn't do this for some kind person that didn't exist. He did it for a planet and rebellion and people like myself that needed the mercy of God. Now, because he came like that, Matthew, I want to read the end of his life in relation to the way the Lord made himself vulnerable. Look at what the devil does in total mocking, counterfeiting of Jesus as he has his hands around. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 27, verse 26. He's got his hands around the neck of Jesus. Jesus has laid down his sword. He's come vulnerably as a baby. He didn't come with a show. He came with weakness. He came in love, kindness, and humility. Chapter 27, verse 27. I'll read verse 26. Matthew. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged handed him over to be crucified. You've got to understand that he took that robe off. That's one thing. That's enough. But he had to be flogged. Nothing said that that had to happen for us to go to heaven. He had to die on the cross. Nothing said he had to go this low. Flogged, and you know the story of how they make the whip with broken glass and shards of, of metal and just rip the skin off his back. Verse 27, then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him. See, but he's already undressed, hadn't he? You wouldn't be stripping him if you saw him like Joshua did with a sword in his hand. You want a piece of me? You want to take my clothes off? Just try. Bad to the bone. You wouldn't have been able to do this if you'd have been standing in the temple like Isaiah did. And the whole temple shook because of his glory as the angels cried, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah hid his face because he'd seen the glory of God and the holiness of Jesus and said, my lips are unclean. This isn't baby Jesus. This is King Jesus on the throne. But he's the same Jesus as baby Jesus. He's just veiled in a human body that they could take advantage of 
They strip him. Man, can you feel it? And they put a scarlet robe. Wait a minute. He's the king. They're mocking him. The enemy knows somehow how much he's taken off. He knows he's left heaven. He knows he's been stripped. He's now got no robe of righteousness to wear that's visible. So they mock him with a purple robe that puts it on the open wounds of his back. And then they twist together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. And they put a staff where the sword would have been. They put a staff in his right hand. They knelt in front of him and mocked, Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe, put his own clothes on him, and then they led him away to crucify him. How low did he go? It's how high he was. He knew this was coming. He knew when he said, yes, I will go, send me. He knew at that point the cost of leaving his father, of descending to this planet. I don't know the mysteries of how that happened. It's somewhat of a death-like experience. It had to be of consciousness, of coming into the womb of a, of a teenage woman that becomes his mama, of descending from the throne to the womb, of coming and, 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 and dwelling in a, in a human body that had to be fed and, and, and clothed and, and cared for and complete vulnerability. Knowing this was coming, this is Christmas. This is the story of the king that invaded this planet as a baby that people didn't recognize. But that baby was destined to be the king on the cross and defeat all of hell, all of sin, all of darkness, all of death to pay for our salvation. He didn't, he didn't be, he wasn't defeated on the cross that was the purpose of his birth that was the purpose of the plan that was the reason for the descent is because he came to lay his life down so that he could take our place on that cross in a moment we're gonna we're gonna baptize some people but i want you to get the picture here follow it christ disrobed his glory, to come to earth to be robed with our humanity. Though he wasn't sinful, he had every effect of sin of his body so that in his nakedness and his being stripped that he could clothe us in his righteousness. He takes that robe, that dipped in blood robe, and he says, your sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. And he wraps us in his robe of righteousness. He was stripped and became naked so that he could clothe us. The only requirement is you have to take off you and put on him. You've got to lay down you being your own boss, Lord, king, and surrender that Christ is your king. 
So when you bury people in baptism, it's a symbolism of washing, taking off the old life, kingship of sin and the enemy and Satan. And it's a coming up, being clothed in a new life, a new robe. Only could happen that he left heaven. Only could happen because he disrobed in heaven. Only could happen that he descended to the lowest point ever to die on a bloody cross. Oh, but he didn't stay there. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. We're going to start a new series on the incarnation of Christ. And I'm, I'm as excited about it as I have been Christ before Christmas. We're going to call it the ugly incarnation. And uh, we're going to have fun following Jesus uh, like us on this earth. But this Christmas Eve, you know, all, all we can do is, is worship where you can. I can't, I can't explain this fully. I can't do justice to the disrobing of the Lord and the putting on of a humanity, putting on a slave, form of a slave. Of I, I, can't, I can't grasp what happened in heaven. I can't grasp the heartbreak of the Father weeping to send his servant. For God so loved the world that he gave. Take that word gave. Go back up to that scene in heaven. He's giving his son to go to war. He's giving his son to go to battle. He's giving his son to be mocked, spit on, beaten. He's giving his son to be crucified on a bloody cross. He's giving him to descend here. So we could say peace on earth and goodwill to men. It's not just peace because we say peace. It's peace because he defeated the enemies of peace. He destroyed the darkness. Amen? Let's pray. Give the Lord a hand. We can praise him. Thank you, Jesus. You alone. Let's take a moment before we're going to baptize these folks. I just think this, this is a day that some of you have gotten it today. Some of you have never gone all in with Jesus. You've never said yes to him. You, you've known about him. Obviously, you're here in church. You know the story. But you've never received his sacrifice for your sins. You've never said yes to him as your Lord and Savior. You got to get past baby Jesus. You got to get to Lord Jesus. If you've not done that, you take a moment online listening. We had one last week. In fact, I think it was a couple came to Christ online last week. They text us, let us know. If you're watching and you've not made that surrender to Christ, receive the greatest gift the gift of eternal life from Jesus' sacrifice. He descended low, 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 lower than we could ever imagine so that he could raise us up. Let him raise you up this morning, wherever you're at in life. You're not too low that he can't reach you. You're not too low that he can't lift you. He came low, but he didn't stay there. Conquered death rose so he could raise us into his likeness. 
Lord, would you bless those that need to take a stand this morning? In Jesus' name.